In John chapter 20, we're going to read in beginning in verse 19 down to verse 22. And so if you're there, we'll read together, okay? John chapter 20, verse 19. And once we're done reading, we'll go to the Lord in prayer this morning. The Bible says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when, he, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side, then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I ask that you will just take now thy word and speak. God, I pray that you would hide me behind your cross, and may you be lifted up this morning, and may you draw all of us unto yourself. If there is those here this morning that are, uh, do not have a relationship with you, do not know you as their Savior, I pray today that they would understand that you love them and that you died for them. And for us that are saved, Lord, draw us closer unto yourself. Help us to give you your rightful place in our life, and we'll thank you for it. For it's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I like to draw your attention to a little phrase here in verse 19, if you would. Maybe if you underline things in your Bible, we find simply at the end of the verse, these words, came Jesus and stood in the midst. Came Jesus and stood in the midst. I'd like to speak on that little phrase there this morning, and I'll explain a little bit more about this in just a moment. Uh, I'm also helping a, a church locally there in Idaho. We're, we're about a mile or so from the Montana-Idaho border, and I've been helping a church there, and it's just been a thrill to be a part of that as well. But I, I just last week, I told the church, I said, I've got a New Year's resolution for you. You know what the number one resolution for New Year's every year is? Is for people to lose weight especially in America, because we like to eat, amen? Everybody wants to lose weight. I said, well, I got a new one for you. My, I think every one of us ought to be fat Christians this new year. They all looked at me like some of you are looking at me right now, a fat Christian. And I said, no, by that I mean faithful, available, and teachable. Amen. amen. I said, that's a pretty good resolution, don't you think? We ought to be faithful. We ought to be to, to who? God. Why? Because He's been so faithful to me. I, we need to be available to Him. That means not what I want to do today, but what you want me to do, Lord. And whatever I do, whether I'm working a job or I'm going here or there, am I available to God to be used? And then T, teachable. You know, one of our great hindrances to our life is simply we know better. I, I got this figured out, God. I've got, I know what I'm doing. But the truth is we don't. We need the Lord. We need His Word. There is no success outside of a life with Christ. Amen? Because He said, without me ye can do nothing. And here we find in this story a very unique story, one that's very famous. But as we understand in the verses just before this, that our Lord and Savior had died upon the cross. 
And he died in a horrible, cruel, just unbelievable way. But let me tell you something, he did it for us. He did it because he loved us and he wanted to provide for us a way of salvation. And I'm so glad that he did that for me and I know you are. But here we find that and what took place is that he died and he was buried. And three days he was in that tomb. But let me tell you something, he didn't stay in the tomb. The proof that everything Christ said that He came to do and did on the cross was proven by the three days later when He came forth Amen. victorious. Amen? He came up out of the grave. What an amazing victory that that was. And His disciples, we find them, His, His chosen ones. And it says here in verse 19 that even after uh, some of them had gone and seen that the tomb was empty and even Mary had seen Him, but here the disciples were in a room, and look what it says there, the same day at evening, the resurrection day, being the first day of the week, which is Sunday, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Let me tell you something, their whole world was turned upside down by the last couple days. Their whole world was changed all around them, and we find ourselves even in those situations at times. And here we find, what were they doing? They were in a room up in a hidden place with the doors shut because they're afraid. I don't know about you, but in the last couple of years, we've seen fear just take hold of the world, haven't we? And fear is a real thing. Fear to be afraid of things. I want to talk about that a little more in just a moment. But we find ourselves so often in times of fear, in times of uncertainty. And these disciples found themselves in those times. They were hiding in a place for fear of what would happen. They thought the same thing that happened to Christ is going to happen to us. So let's stay up in this room and hide. We know that even Peter, who just before said, Lord, I'll die with you. And when faced with the question of whether he was a follower of Christ, he what? Denied Christ three times. The Lord knew that. And before we start pointing our fingers at these disciples, I dare to say we would have done the same, if not worse. Fear. But I love this next phrase, don't you? Look at it with me. Because even in the midst of their fear and the uncertainty of, the, of what was going to take place, Jesus came. Can I tell you something? Jesus always comes. Jesus is always present. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. His presence is always real. And He's in my heart today. How do I know that He lives? He lives inside of me. How do I know He's real? Because I walk and talk with Him every day. He is faithful. And He wants that relationship with His creation. And if you give Him that rightful place, He'll take it and do amazing things in our lives. But then He says, Jesus came and He says there, He stood in the midst. He stood in the midst. That's a little phrase that we see throughout Scripture. That word midst, it means to be in the middle of something. Uh, between and, and in the midst. Uh, an illustration perhaps would be like a bicycle wheel. We all uh, see around here a lot of bicycles. We went downtown and saw you can rent them. And it's kind of probably a big thing. People like to ride bicycles. But if you had a bicycle tire and wheel, you find that you have the tire and you have the spokes and in the middle of all those spokes, you have a hub. That hub is in the midst. That's what everything rotates around. If that hub is broken or that 
bearings are bad, everything else will be bad. And here that word simply means to be in the middle of something. And can I tell you something? That's the only way to have a successful life in this world is to give Jesus His rightful place. Jesus in the midst. I like to preach on just that simple title this morning, Jesus in the midst. And here we find these disciples, they were afraid, they were hiding. It was affecting everything they were doing in life and and they weren't certain about tomorrow and, and all the different things. And then Jesus came and stood in the middle of them all. And He began to give them instructions and to show them some things. And the Lord Jesus wants to do the same thing in our lives. The essence of our Christian life must be that Jesus is in the center of everything. In the Bible, we see this word midst as a major theme throughout the Bible. Let me share a few things with you, if you will. In Exodus chapter 8 and verse 22, God says, I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Can I tell you something? The world may be rejecting God and rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ, but let me tell you something. He's still the center of it all. He created it, amen? He said it out of His own mouth. Deuteronomy 23, 14 says, For the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp to deliver thee. He reminded His people, the nation of Israel, Jesus is in the midst of us, and He will deliver us. Oh, Jeremiah 14, 9, Thou, O Lord, art in the midst of us. Of us, we see this throughout Scripture. It ought to bring comfort to us. It ought to be. A, it ought to bring um, faith instead of fear, because we know that God is with us, and He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Oh, think about with me the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do you remember the three Hebrew children as they were about as they were pushed into that fiery furnace? And what does Nebuchadnezzar say in Daniel chapter 5 and verse 25? He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose. Wait a minute. I thought I, thought I threw three in there. There's four, Nebuchadnezzar said, walking in the midst of the fire. In the center of that fire. And he says, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Let me tell you something. Sometimes it seems like when you live by sight, you don't see Him, so you don't think that He's there. Don't don't be mistaken. God is always present. God is always faithful. His promises are true. In John chapter 19, verse 18, when Jesus, it says, they crucified Him and two others with Him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. Jesus in the midst. And in Mark 18, or sorry, Matthew 18:20, a verse that we as Christians ought to remind ourselves every time we meet. He said, "For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them." Jesus wants to be in the center of everything. And we ought to give him that rightful place. I'd like to show you just three simple things from this passage of scripture that when Jesus is in the midst and we give him his rightful place, and we desire Him to be there. You know, there's many congregations today that are meeting, but they're not meeting with Christ as the center of their meeting. They're not meeting in the name of Christ. They're meeting in the name of a denomination or of a religion or of whatever it may be. And God, let me tell you something, is not present in those meetings. But He promises that if we'll meet in His name, giving Him the rightful place, let me tell you something, He's always present. 
Do you believe the Lord is present this morning? Amen. 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 I believe He is because the Bible says that we're the temple of the Holy Ghost, that the Spirit of God lives inside of us. And so right now, the Lord is present because He's in my heart. And He's in your heart if you've believed on the Lord as your Savior. I want you to show you several things this morning if you would. Number one, Jesus in the midst will always give us peace. Jesus in the the midst will always give us peace. Read with me again these verses as we've noticed in verse um, 19 of this passage. The Bible says uh, when these disciples were, it says in fear of the Jews, they were assembled, they were together, but they were still all had one thing in common. They were afraid and they were hiding. They were hiding when they ought to have been out telling the world Jesus is alive. Instead, they were hiding. I remind you, this wasn't something that took place after His death. This was even after the resurrection. This was after He rose again. And let me remind you too, Jesus told Him time and time again, I am going to die, but I'll come forth again from the grave. He had told Him that. And you know what? We're just as hard-headed and dumb sometimes because we know what the Bible says, but do we believe it and are we living it? That's the problem, isn't it? But when Jesus is given that rightful place and when He's allowed to be the center of our lives, listen, not just on Sundays, not just Sunday nights, not just Wednesdays, but I'm talking about every moment of our life are you giving Jesus His rightful place. He wants to be there. He needs to be there. And if we'll let Him, oh, He'll have peace. We're living in a world of fear. Fear of yesterday. People still haven't gotten over the fear from yesterday. The things that they have faced. I get it, the reality is, but Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. We press forward. Fear of today. What's going to happen today? And if we're not careful, we live in the fear of the things of this world. We'll be controlled by them. But if we'll live in the faith of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what can man do unto me? Amen? And some people are afraid of tomorrow. These disciples were. What's going to happen to us? Our leader, the one we love, our Savior is gone. And they chose not to live by faith. They chose to live by fear. And before we're so hard on them, we're as guilty as that. Can I tell you this? When Jesus is in the midst to give us peace, the peace of salvation. Do you have this morning the peace that brought to us through salvation? There's only one way to have peace in this world, and that's through believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. There is a gift of salvation that God has given to everyone and offered it to every person in this world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, what a wonderful verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, He's offering to everyone in this world a gift of salvation. And what do you have to do? Receive it. Believe and receive what the Lord has done for you. And there's only one way to have peace in this world. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so glad as an eight-year-old boy, I accepted the Lord as my Savior. Two weeks before that, I had seen a a Christian film, a gospel film called A Thief in the Night. It speaks about the Lord coming again to this earth and that He is coming again. He said, I will come again and receive 
you unto myself. Jesus is coming again. And it speaks of those who are left behind. And for two weeks, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat hardly. I was so troubled and, and fear in my life because I was like, I knew I was not saved. And I, can, I can't tell you that night when I got saved how well I slept. Because I can't explain it. And the peace of God can't be explained. But let me tell you something. If you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, oh, you can experience the peace of God. I don't fear death. You know why? Because I have eternal life. I don't have to fear what man can do unto me because my God is my Savior and He's faithful. I hope today that if you're here today without peace, I'll tell you who's the Prince of Peace, who's the one who can provide you peace. There's none other but the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say this? Not only peace when Jesus is given that place for salvation, but also peace by living by faith. You know what? As a Christian, I can have peace. And I'll tell you what, uh, Christians can live, choose to live in fear too. It's easy. You say, well, no, I'm not afraid of anything. Oh, yes, you are. We all are. Amen? And we've got to overcome fear. We've got to overcome our human mind and our own understanding as we look at the world and we view all these things, and we can live as the world does in fear of it all, or we can live as God tells us in faith. Faith takes away fear, doesn't it? For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Isaiah 26, verse 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. See, when we live by faith and we trust him, God gives us peace. In Philippians 4, 7, in the peace of God which passeth all understanding. I can't explain it to you and you won't be able to understand it until you experience it. It says, it shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's the only way to live in this world without fear is to put your faith in Jesus Christ. For salvation and then to live each day trusting and believing Him. And that's what these, these disciples weren't doing. They weren't doing this. And we're guilty just as they are so often by looking at our own life and living life through our own understanding when we need to live by faith and in the Word of God, believing the promises of God because He is faithful. He is faithful. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. When we give Christ that rightful place, He says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let me ask you this. Where are, what place have you given God in your life? And can I say this to you today? I have to ask myself the same question. Every one of us does. Brother Turner does. All of us must give Him His rightful place. May the Lord help us to give Him that that center of our life. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Oh, do you want the peace of Christ today? He wants to give it unto us. He says, not as the world giveth. Oh, the world's been trying to give peace to people forever and they'll never succeed. But it says, I give you peace. Let not your heart, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. 
Oh, if you need peace today, won't you come to Jesus and let Him give it to you? Number two, we see not only with Jesus in the midst will He give us peace, but also He'll give us purpose. Oh, you know, so many people are living, just wandering, or really with the wrong purpose in life. The world wants to live to be successful. The world says that we ought to live with the purpose of doing this or that, and and oftentimes they tell us what our purpose is. And it's the wrong purpose. It's the wrong purpose. Why? Because it's not for Christ. It's not for God who created us, but rather it's for ourselves and it's to please others. And and we've been taught, taught that this is the real purpose in life. But let me tell you something. The Bible is clear. There should ought to be only one purpose in this life, and that is to live for our Lord and Savior and our Creator, Amen. who is God. Amen? Amen. That is ought to be our purpose in life. There's no greater purpose to this life, though the Bible says, than to give the gospel of Christ to others. I'm so glad that I got the gospel, but I'm so glad I get the opportunity to give it to others. I'm so glad that I can share what Christ has done for them because He's done it for me. And that's what we've been given, this great opportunity. Listen, some people just kind of consider it's just one of those commands that we have to do, and it's just like, there, I got to go again. I go go tell somebody else about Jesus. It's Saturday morning again. It's outreach time, and I got to go again because that's what's expected. No, we ought to come and tell people every day of the week because it's an opportunity for us to share with people what Christ can do for them because He's done it for me. That's a witness. It's good news. In a world where there's just all bad news, we have good news to give to people. When people don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or what's going to happen to them, we can say, here's the good news of Jesus. He saves. He died for you, and He's the way, the truth, and the life. If you'll come and believe on Him, you can be saved. There's nothing better in this world. I'm sorry, am I getting too loud for some of you? Forgive me. I get get excited about these things. Amen? Amen. Why? Because the gospel is the greatest news. There is no greater news in this world than to give the gospel to people. And we have a purpose. I have a purpose. You have a purpose. The problem is in so many churches, we're like, well, that's the pastor's purpose. That's Brother Kevin's purpose. That's certain people. That's not my purpose. I'm sorry, but the Great Commission wasn't given specifically to people. It was given to all Christians to be witnesses. To, to, to go out and just tell people the good news. There was a time in the church when people were witnesses. They believed in the purpose of every one of us to be soul winners, to reach people with the gospel. Why? Because we realize that's the only thing that can help people. It's the only thing that can take them from where they are and give them a new life. Because there's only one way for a new life in Christ, and that's through Jesus Christ. Oh, we can have a purpose. Look what the Bible says in verse 21. As they came, and he, or in verse, uh, uh, end of 19, I forgot to read this. Forgive me, okay? My wife's not here, so I'm really forgetful. You know, I need my wife. She helps me remember things. He said unto them, peace be unto you. See, Jesus brings peace, doesn't he? But then in verse 20, he says, and when he said, he showed unto them his hands and his side, He visually illustrated to them that He had died for them. He visually illustrated to them that I did what I said I came to do and I succeeded. Amen? And He did just as He said. And then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Can I tell you something? We need to quit being moping Christians. 
It's easy to, oh, here we go again, brother. It's another day in this world. And we're just kind of, you know, some of us are starting to walk like this because we're just always moping. <laughs> Amen. Right. Joyful Christians. Can we be glad about something today? We can be glad because, listen, no matter what comes, no matter what we face, Jesus is faithful. Amen. He will not fail us. And to the end and right through to eternity, God will succeed. Oh, we have something to be rejoicing about and to be glad about. And, the, and it says, when they saw the Lord. That's the problem, though, is we need faith now to see the Lord and to give Him His rightful place. They saw Him, didn't they? They did. We need faith to see Him every day. And we can if we'll live by faith and walk in the way that's pleasing unto Him. Look at verse 21, the purpose. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. He said it twice. That's because it's emphasis sake. Amen? So don't remember. You can have peace. I'll give it unto you if you'll take it. And look what He says. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Wow. He said, so send I you. Can I say this to you? We ought to put our name in that phrase right there. Even so, send I Joel. Even so, send I, put your name there. Because he's sent us with a purpose. And guess what? Even as the Father hath sent me. You ought to think about that for a moment. What kind of love did it take? What kind of compassion and grace and mercy did the Father bestow upon us? That He humbled Himself, became a man. I mean, I, I think we struggle sometimes, but even in our own imagination, we ought to understand the glory of heaven compared to this earth. Why would anyone want to come here? And then to be rejected by the very people that He came to, to save. I mean, you think about all that He went through. We would have said, forget it. <laughs> huh? We said, forget it, but He didn't. He didn't say forget it for us. No, he said, I'm going all the way. And he did go all the way, even as the Father has sent me. Let me ask, let me tell you this. God has not asked of us anything that he hasn't done more of himself. Amen? He's not asking of us anything more than what he's already done and more than we'll ever do. He's given us a purpose to go. Romans 12.1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know why it's reasonable? Because He gave His life for us. It's reasonable. We love Him because He first loved us. Amen? And we ought to live for Him and live for the purpose that He's given us to do. He said, so send I you. Isaiah 6.8, a very famous verse we know. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Let me tell you something. God is sending every one of us, but what we do in response to that is what really matters. Amen? Okay, Lord, here am I. We know he's, He came and He died for us, and even so, send I you. But are we willing to say like Isaiah, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Send me, Lord. 
Send me across the road to my neighbors. Send me across the office to my workmate. Send me over to this place. Send me here. Send me wherever, Lord. Send me to the Pacific Ocean. Amen. It's warmer over there. See, I'm giving you reasons. I mean, I mean, send me wherever, Lord. Send me to wherever you want me to go. Because that's my purpose in life. Oh, may God help us to have the right purpose. Because that's all that will matter one day. Is to fill, fulfill His will and His purpose for our life. You say, well, God's not called me to be a missionary. He's called every one of us to be a missionary. The location might be different, but He's called every one of us to be a missionary. Can I give a quick illustration? Brother, I have time, right? A little bit more. I'm trying not to go too long. I apologize. And we all know what these are, especially in recent days. Amen? In Montana, I need gloves because my little island fingers freeze to death. And they hurt. Amen? We had negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know what that is. Very cold. Very cold. (laughs) Very, very cold, okay? Very cold. 32 is freezing. So you do the math. That's very, very cold. We know what gloves are all about. Gloves are important things. They do a lot of things. They protect. They enable us to do things. Let me tell you something. When you try to pick up a hot thing out of your oven, you need those mittens, right, ladies? Hot pad to protect because it burns. It hurts. Gloves are important things. But you know what? This glove in and of itself really can't do anything, can it? Can a glove do anything? By itself. It's got a great purpose, though. <laughs> it, it has a job to do, does it not? Well, the only way that that job will be fulfilled is when a hand's put in it, when something's in it to be done. Can I say this? We're the glove. God's the hand. Is He in the midst of our lives? You see what I'm saying? We're the glove. We have a purpose. God created us to be a witness for Him, to to live for His will, not our own. But the problem is most of us never get to a place in our life where we say, God, You fill up my life. Lord, You take control of my life. You, Lord, You you be the center of what is going on in my world today because if You have Your rightful place, then I will fulfill and do the things You've given me to do. But oftentimes we just live like a limp glove that can't do anything. Because we won't give him the rightful place. I hope you won't put another glove on this winter without thinking about the Lord being the center of your life. Amen? Amen. Is he have his rightful place? Then lastly, and I'll be closed. Number three, Jesus in the midst will give us power. Look what the Bible says with me. He'll give us power if he's at the center of our life. Verse 22, it says, And when... He had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the what? The Holy Ghost. And ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. He breathed on them. Power. I'm not like some of your breath in the morning when your spouse breathes on you. That's a very powerful breath, okay? We're not... I don't want to lose some of you, okay? So I brought some of you back right there. We're not talking about that kind of powerful breath. It's powerful, but not like this. 
but the very power of God to breathe upon. I want you to show you a few things. In Psalms 33, 6, the Bible says this, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. He spoke forth and it was created. It says, And all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. The heavens. We're not talking about the earth, just the earth. We're talking about the heavens. Montana is called the big sky country. You can look up and see just, I mean, unbelievable sights of the stars and the galaxies and everything. It's beautiful. And we know who created those things, don't we? God did. And it says not only that, but the very host of all of it by His breath. There's power even in the breath of His mouth. Inspiration is God-breathed. Something that God's power rests upon. And here in verse 22 of our, of our text, he says, And he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the holy what? Ghost. And in verse 23, Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are what? Retained. Let me say something. Some people take that verse out of context. It's not those people doing that. It's the power God gave to accomplish that. Amen? It's not the disciples had that power. No, 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 no. It was the power in which Jesus Christ breathed upon them by His Spirit. Because it's only God that can save. It's only God that can take away your sins. It's only God that can do these things. And it's only God that can give us the power to fulfill His purpose and to have peace. It's only through Him that we can do this. There's nothing I can do if Jesus is in the midst. There's nothing, or sorry, there's nowhere I won't go if Jesus is in the midst. There's no limit to what God can do if Jesus is in the midst. Can I ask you today, is Jesus in the midst of our lives? I find myself, I find myself struggling at times. You know why? Because we have an old nature. And every day, Paul said, I die daily. We have to wake up every day and say, God, crucify my flesh that I might live unto you. Crucify me, Lord. Let me die to myself so that I can give you the center of my life. Oh, it's a prayer, isn't it? It's a desire. And let me tell you something, if we'll just open that up, He'll fill it up. Problem is, we don't often let Him, give Him that opportunity. But I tell you what, there's nothing more wonderful than when Jesus takes our lives, does the impossible, not because of our strength, not by might, not by power, but by Him and Him alone. If you've given Jesus His rightful place, because if He doesn't, we won't see these things in our lives. I finish with this, and I know I've gone too long. You read down the rest of that chapter, we find out one of the disciples was M.I.A. His name was Thomas. Thomas wasn't there, was he? And after this took place, he said, I will not believe unless I see. <laughs> Eight days, God made him sweat it out. And he showed up again. But there's a verse in which... The Bible says in verse 29, after the Lord came and 
went directly to Thomas. Jesus saith unto them, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. You know what? You say, well, I've not seen. You're blessed if you'll just have faith. God will reveal Himself to us if we're willing to trust and believe. And in verse 33, for us that you may be here today and not saved, in verse 33, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His name. Life now and life for eternity as Jesus is in the midst.